We have a, a really beautiful and interesting uh, morning uh, this morning because um, it's, it's very seldom that we have an opportunity to actually talk to somebody on death row. Kevin Burns will be calling in at 730. I'm going to ask Pastor Kevin Riggs to come up here because Kevin Riggs is the pastor at the Franklin Community Church who's been really involved with um, of the guys down on death row longer than I have by, by a long shot. Uh, he is responsible for uh, having ordained this man that you're going to hear from this morning, Kevin Burns, uh, put him through a rigorous seminary course, ordained him, and they, uh, they have established the church of life inside death row. It's the only, known, the only one, I think, in America that we know of where there's an actual church that has regular church services with an ordained pastor by an inmate on death row. Uh, Kevin Burns, and you, you, can, you can say whatever you want to about this, but Kevin Burns is an innocent man. Uh, and I know some of you guys are saying, yeah, 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 they all say that. They don't all say that. Um, on the death row in Nashville, there are what, 41, 46 guys? Ed knows. Exactly. Ed knows. Yeah, around 45 guys. And, and in the last five or six years that I've been able to be involved in that, uh, two of the guys have been proven innocent, um, and there's probably two or three more, Kevin being one of them. We can get into all that later. Um, but that's not the point of the morning. The point of the morning is I want you to meet, um, first of all, Kevin Riggs, so come on, and Kevin Burns, who has just become such a precious brother to me, uh, and he's going to call in, and then we're going to go from there. He'll call in at 730. Well, good morning. Um, I'll try to make this quick because, again, K KB will call in. And, and his name is Kevin Burns, but everybody calls him KB. Um, my name is Kevin Riggs. Um, and so when we started walking around death row together, it became KB, Kevin Burns, and then BK, Big Kevin. So kind of <laughs> the way it uh, uh, came out. But very quickly before he calls in, it was, around 20, it was around 2013, <clears throat> I was in my office one morning and, and uh, read the, the Tennessean newspaper uh, online, even back then, and there was an article that stated that Tennessee was set to execute like 11 people in a 13-month period after no executions for a long time. And there was just something that was troubling to me about that, and uh, I heard uh, the voice of the Lord say, you need to go to death row. I'd been involved in prison ministry. Uh, mainly at the county level and in Honduras, but the, the voice was, you need to go to death row. And I didn't even know where death row was. Didn't know anybody down there, didn't know what to do. But um, I did some research, made some phone calls, and uh, several months later, I went to death row for the very first time. It's Unit 2 uh, at Riverbend, which is um, in Nashville, not, not too far off of um, Brawley Parkway. And um, when I got there, uh, I... We, I went in at noon on a Friday, and there was a group of about eight guys sitting around a table, and they were all death row inmates, and they were meeting at noon every Friday for prayer. And uh, the chaplain introduced me uh, to the group as, you know, this is Kevin Riggs. He's senior pastor at Franklin Community Church. And um, this guy, this one guy got up and came and gave me a hug. And when he gave me a hug, he said, I've been praying for you. And I thought, okay, well, you don't even know me, but you've been praying for me, which is what I thought. But I was also... Uh, crying just seeing these guys uh, in, in prayer. That person was Kevin. That person was KB who hugged me and said he'd been praying for me. And he had been the chaplain's assistant on Unit 2 for a while. 
And so he and I immediately became friends. Um, I started going, and, and our routine was, um, since he was a chaplain's assistant, he could walk from pod to pod, which not everybody could. You know, usually you had to stay in your own area. And, um, and so, and we would just basically do door to door, you know, cell to cell, and talk with people, pray with them, and then in groups, because some of the guys, based on what level they are, are outside their cells. And just started building a relationship with these, with all these guys, mainly because they all respected KB, and so they listened to me because KB uh, was there. And so um, we became KB and I became very, very good friends. And one day after we'd visited some people, we were talking, and he was talking about how much he appreciates me being there, and um, and how all the guys look to me as their pastor, and all that. And I said, No, 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 no. I'm not their pastor. You're their pastor. The only reason they talk to me is because of you. Uh, but you're the one who has the relationship with them. You're, you're their pastor. This is your church. Um, and, uh, of course, he, he started crying. Uh, when I said that, I was crying. And then uh, on the way home, once again, I heard God just in, in my spirit say, if you really believe he's the pastor, you need to ordain him, if you really believe that. And so I talked to my elders about it, and they all agreed. And so we went into this process that was similar to my process of ordination where the first thing he had to do was join the church, and then we licensed him, and then we, he had to keep a record for, for over a year of all of his ministry opportunities. We, we had all kinds of oral conversations about all kinds of issues for a long time, and then uh, we ordained him in January of 2018. Not long after that, I approached him and said, hey, I got this crazy idea. Why don't we start a church? And I, and I told him, I said, but I want this to be a church. I don't want this to be another Bible study. Nothing wrong with that, but... I don't want this to be a Bible study, and I don't want this to be another small group conversation where guys get together and talk. It needs to be a church service. And so we developed a liturgy. My church is very informal, so his church is more formal. <laughs> you know, we developed a liturgy where there's scripture reading and prayers and communion and, and songs and, and sermon every week. And then I said, this church is going to be led by the men on Unit 2 for the men on Unit 2, which meant that for about six weeks I went, and then I didn't go anymore. Uh, I didn't want any volunteers in there. It's for them. Riverbend had a problem with that, <laughs> so, uh, so we eventually had to have volunteers go back. Um, but the volunteers are told, you don't do anything. You just listen um, and, and let KB lead the service, and he does. And uh, that's called the Church of Life. And what was beautiful about that was during COVID, for 18 months across the state of Tennessee, all programming stopped in prisons. So there was no church services, there were no Bible studies, there was no Alcoholics Anonymous, there was no education, there was nothing across the entire state of Tennessee. But on death row, every week, there was a church service because the guy was ordained and he was there. So, so KB's call, now let me... Okay, would you welcome, welcome Kevin Burns. Yeah. Hey man, this is Kevin, how you doing? How you doing, man? God bless you this morning. Well, it's it's a good morning. We've got um, we've got I don't know maybe seventy five to a hundred. I'll be honest, they're not very good looking, but we got about seventy five to a hundred guys uh, here this morning. And uh, so I I just gave them kind of the background, mainly about us meeting and um, and and uh, about the Church of Life. Let me let me finish my story real quick. After okay. several months of us meeting together, I finally asked KB one day, what did you mean when you hugged me the very first time you met me and said, you're praying for me? And, and then that's when KB said, well, for months, maybe, I don't know how long, but for a long time, KB said, I've been praying to God that he would send us a senior pastor. 
We got a lot of volunteers at Unit 2. All of them are good. But I was, I was saying, Lord, we need a senior pastor to come visit us. And so when you were introduced as senior pastor, God said, this is the man you've been praying for. So, all right, man, it's up to you now. You're on. All right. Well, good morning, brothers. Pray that all is well with you all, and and that God would just do, uh, just do a, do a miracle this morning. Just speak a word to us uh, that will uplift and encourage us, and 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 and, and you give us a unique bond. You know, uh, Scripture talk about us being knit together in love. That we just be bound by the Spirit of love. So I thank God for this opportunity this morning, and I just want to thank you men uh, for giving me this, this precious opportunity. I do not take this lightly. Amen? Amen. All, right. All right. Okay, so, well, KB, I, I told them a little bit about us and mainly about the church. Um, and uh, I forgot to bring up a piece of paper I told you I was going to bring. I just realized that. But um, yeah. so just talk about um, how important it was um, or it is to have a church and what it means to be in community with the people there uh, that are with you and even how important it is to the other guys of, um, of having a church that is really for the men on Unit 2, led by the men on Unit 2. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, so, yeah, uh I guess I'll start back uh, a little bit from the beginning when, when God called me. I, I had not been uh, locked up for long, a little over a year. And the Lord uh, gave me a dream one day and told me uh, that you are, my, you are my preacher and you are prophet. And... And to my amazement, I was stunned at that. Uh, I, I believed that all my life I had a call on my life. Uh, but when God said that to me, especially in the situation that I was in, uh, it was hard for me to believe. I mean, I had been seeking God for over a year uh, and praying and fasting and, and just believing in the Word, reading the Word every day and just uh, just getting his spirit, his word in my mind and in my heart. And so when God said that, I, I kept it to myself. I would tell no one. So he sent a man in to the county jail in Memphis to confirm that word to me about two weeks later and let me know that no, it, it, that wasn't just your imagination running wild with you. Because I was thinking that, I was thinking uh, more highly of myself and, and maybe this is ambition maybe I'm just in, in my words, in my way of saying that, I, I feel like I was just tripping on a trip right, so uh, God let me know that uh, sent me a man I never met before, never heard of before and he told me word for word everything God had said to me, so that confirmed to me that God uh, had called me to the gospel to preach the gospel uh, while in, in jail. And so he told me, he said, God told you that because he He don't want it to be a secret. He wants you to know that he has called you and that you have purpose in your life. And I, I 
uh, and he want me to tell everyone that I know. So I began to tell everyone that the Lord, I believe the Lord has called me to the ministry. I have a call on my life, and he want me to be a, a, a preacher. Now, I didn't know how that looked. Uh, I didn't understand that we would be at this moment. Uh, I just been in jail over a year. And so I had no idea, couldn't couldn't have imagined the things that God had purposed for my life. Uh, but now to fast forward, uh, we, me and Pastor Kevin met that day like he was telling you all, and God said those words to me. This is the man that you've been praying for. And so uh, from that moment until this moment, God just has continually unveiled unto us and just like uh, uh, just uncovered his, his, his plan for our life and, and his purpose for my life uh, and the reason why he sent me here and he began to show me uh, through all that he brought us through, me and Pastor Kevin, uh, uh, that his plan was to build a church on Tennessee's death row and to let the man know that even though you may feel that society have have cast you out, that all hope is lost for you. You may feel that God is not even uh, aware of you. But the Lord has uh, set me up to let me and my brothers know that that God has not forgotten about us. God has not forgotten about us and that he will never leave us or forsake us. So having the church of life, having the church of life here and ministering to these men has been a great treasure in my life. And it has been an amazing opportunity to be a witness for Jesus Christ. He said, to me, you are my witness, says the Lord, that I am God and that I am able, that I'm able to reach into this place where the, those that think they have been forsaken, God said, I have not forsaken you. I have not left you. I will never leave you. And there's no place that you can seek to that I can't reach, that my arm cannot reach unto you, and that I can help you in this place. And I can redeem you, I can restore you, and I can bring you out of that place. So having this opportunity to be in a situation like this and to be able to minister to men who think that there is no hope for their soul, no hope for their life, no purpose for their life, has been one of the greatest gifts in my life. I can't explain it to you, but just to say it, that God's grace is truly amazing. We can't fathom the things that God has in store for us. We can't imagine in our mind and our reasoning why God loves us so much and, and, and why 
I'll let you take a moment, KB. Um, yeah, no, I'll let you take a moment. But I, you know, I hope you're hearing what he's saying. Now, now, I would add it a little. I would add a little bit more to to what he's saying about how the guys feel like, you know, that God has forsaken them. People often come to me and and they want to get involved in prison ministry. And um, and I'll, I'll say, well, why why do you want to get involved in prison ministry? And they'll say something along like this. I said, well. I just, man, we just need to take Jesus to the prisons. We just got to reach those prisoners. We got to take Jesus to the prisoner. And I usually tell them, okay, go away. <laughs> you know, because you don't take Jesus in the prison with you. You go to prison to meet Jesus there. He's already there. He's been there. Jesus himself was a convicted felon, let's not forget, that was executed by the state. Um, and so Jesus was on death row. And so you go to meet Jesus there. You don't go to take Jesus there uh, with you. You know, I, KB will tell you that sometimes I go visit him, and I, he, he's my pastor, by the way. I tell people, KB's my pastor, so I ordain my pastor. And he's on death row, and I go, and I say, how you doing? And he says, oh, today's the best day of my life. How are you doing, pastor? And then I just unload on him, oh, you know, and start complaining. And I'm thinking, what, how is this working where he's the one lifting me up? Um, in, instead of you know, instead of the other way around, but it's because Jesus is there, and and uh, and He's using people like KB. KB, tell, just kind of briefly tell the story of, of how God. Um, I don't want to tell the whole story, but how you believe that really you're like a missionary. Um, you know, we've talked about this some um, incarnational ministry, where you know Jesus came here to minister to us, and KB's been called to go inside prison to minister to prisoners because he's one of them. Um, and so just talk about that and what God has told you about why you're there and what's going to happen and all that. Yes, sir. So so going back to my trial, I was found guilty and, and being as sentencing, I was given the death penalty. And just hang on just a second, KB. And it's 1992. Okay, so he's yes, been yes, he's sir. been on death row this was since 1992. 90, and and yeah. the case happened on my birthday. Yeah. Happened April 20, 1992. Yeah. So in 95, when I went to trial, I was found, went to trial in September of uh, of 1995 and was found guilty and sentenced to, to death. And, and when I, I was sentenced to death, it's like my heart died within me and, 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 and I was, I felt physically paralyzed and I felt like my life had just ended. And so I was so afraid, I was so, because uh, I had hope, I felt like I heard the Spirit of God tell me I'm going to deliver you. So at trial, I was like overconfident, I knew I was going home. I knew I was going to be found innocent and I was going to be uh, exonerated, but it didn't happen like that. I was every, It's like my whole world was turned upside down and I was stood in the courtroom paralyzed literally i didn't feel myself breathing i didn't feel i didn't feel like i was alive and so i went into the back and and i just cried and i was so afraid because uh i just began to have thoughts in my mind that maybe maybe i was wrong maybe i didn't hear the spirit of the lord maybe i missed 
on God. Maybe I, I have been deceived. And when I had that thought of being deceived, that was the most frightening thing to me. I felt forsaken. I felt like I had no hope now. I felt like I was going to die. And the Lord told me, my son, didn't, didn't I say to you that I was going to deliver you? I'm not finished with you yet. And the Spirit of the Lord told me to go on the way that they are going to send you. I need you over there. And the Lord, when the Lord said that to me, I need you over there. I need you in that place. I have a purpose for your life. I need a, I have a, a work that I need you to do in that place. And I have a work that I began in you that I'm not finished with you yet. And the Lord told me that when you're finished with my work and I'm finished with, with, with preparing you, I'm going to deliver you like I said. And from that instant, it's like God sent a spirit of peace in me. And I felt like when Elisha was taken up from heaven and he dropped his mantle, and Elijah, I mean, and, and he dropped his mantle and Elisha picked it up and said, what is the God of Elijah? And he hit the water and the water parted. He walked back to the other side. I felt like when Jesus left me that that day, I, I had a peace come over me, and I heard the Spirit of the Lord say, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you. Uh, and so I was so refreshed, that, and I had this new perspective on life. God said, Now I have purpose for you, I need you over there. And I felt like uh, the most privileged man on the earth, because God, the, the creator of the universe, had told me that he need me. I'm going to a place that, that I can be a light to a man that's sitting in darkness and to show them that God has not forsaken you, uh, that uh, I'm going to send you one in there that's, that's going through everything that you've gone through, uh, and yet he's going to have a joy in him and a spirit in him that, that lets you know that God is in this place. And so I have the opportunity to minister to my brothers uh, and to preach the gospel and to live with them in this place and, and, and show them not just by preaching the word, not just by talking word, but to show them by the life I live that, that God is with us as well. Amen. That he is not forsaking us. Uh, and so I feel so privileged now. And if you don't mind, Pastor, I want to read some of the quotes because uh, one of the things uh, uh, you were saying is talking about uh, what does it mean to us and what does it mean to the men yeah, let, let me, the let church me, of life. Yeah, let me quickly tell, KB and I have written a book, um, and um, in part of the process, I told him, I said, I want you to go ask the guys on death row who go to Church of Life, what does Church of Life mean to you? And I meant to bring those with me today to read, and I didn't. So he's going to. So this is their response uh, to what the Church of Life means. So these are these are from other guys who are on death row. Okay, go ahead. Amen. So you asked us two questions: uh, What does it mean to have the Church of Life, and how do, has the Church of Life helped you? 
so done it, done said, uh, I have been incarcerated for 38 years, all of which have been without family and friends. What Church of Life means to me is that while those that I call family have written me off, God has not. It means that in this place of darkness, there is a light of hope. There is a way beyond the path I have walked. The way is Jesus. Our church has been an island of peace in this world of confusion. I have found a spiritual release uh, in attending Church of Life. I have found a church that instead of judging me, encourages me. That's this just portion of what Don, Don, Donny said. All right, Purvis said, Have, having a church in Unit 2 means so much. To be able to hear the word of God, to revive my soul, mind, and spirit, reminding me that God is here with me in this hellhole is invaluable. The Church of Life encourages me and gives me assurance to stand on God through Jesus Christ. Uh, the Church of Life reminds me that I am who God says I am, not who the Department of Correction says I am. I thank Jesus for the Church of Life. All right, that's Purvis. And, and John, uh, John says, this is, a, this is John, not done. John said the church of life means we can have hope and salvation and freedom to worship God in a meaningful way on death row. Pastor Kevin Burns is a great spiritual leader and advisor. Pastor Burns pours out his heart when he praises God and lifts our spirit. Much like Jesus did when he was persecuted and died on the cross for our sins. Having a pastor who is one of us and knows what we go through on death row is great. The Church of Life has helped me be a better person by making me realize it's not just about me. And that we must all face our own persecution and our own way in this world. The Church of Life has given me hope, and I am more than just worm food when the inevitable day comes for all of us condemned to die. God has, God, God has cleansed us from our sins and forgiven, forgives all of us, regardless of what we have done. Through through Church of Life, I have learned that God loves us all and has a plan for us all. God loves me even though I am living under the sentence of death and my life is restricted to a bathroom-sized home. So there's just a few words uh, from some of the members of Church of Life. And so that's what it means to us in here. Uh, to remind us that God is with us, that there is hope, and that there is light in this dark place. Amen. Amen. Yeah, and I, I think we might be getting close to, to the end, so just say a few more things, whatever's on your heart, and, uh, and then uh, say a prayer for us, okay? Uh, okay. Uh, I 
think Wes wanted to say the prayer at the end. No, he wants uh, you. He, he's just saying he wants you to pray. Oh, oh, okay. I, I miss. I, I misheard him. Okay. So, men, I, I want to reiterate again how grateful and how thankful to God that I am to have this opportunity to speak to you uh, and, and to let you know uh, a little bit about my heart and my story and what God uh, is doing on Tennessee death row. This is uh, the most, most unique situation that I could, I could ever imagine. I'd never imagine coming to death row, first of all, but much less God establishing me as a pastor and how the respect that God gave me with these men and how they no longer see me just as another inmate or just as another prisoner. They see me and respect me as the pastor of Unit 2. And our motto, like Pastor Kevin said, is... Uh, uh, at church, when we, when I welcome the men in, I welcome them to the church of life and let them know that we are a church for the men of Unit 2, led by the men of Unit 2. And I truly thank God for every opportunity uh, to live and breathe and have my being first, but to have the opportunity uh, to be God's ambassador in this place. I believe God has called me to be an ambassador, to be a beacon of light and hope to my brothers, and to let the world know that God's arm and his reach is not shortened, that he cannot minister and save his people no matter what the depth we have sunk to. God said in David, Minister, where can I go from your presence, O oh Lord? And whither can I flee from your spirit? If I sink into the pits of hell, you are there. Then he said, if I ascend into the heights of the mountain, behold, you are even there. Wherever I go, God, you are with me. And I let the men here know that God is here. He's here because we are here. And he cares about us. And like Pastor said, no one has to bring God to us. God is already here. He has met us in this place, and he not just met us and left us. He met us, and he resides here with us. I have seen the physical changes, as well as the spiritual changes in Unit 2. This unit is unique. It's different from any other. I've never been to prison before. But I know that Unit 2 is like no other prison in the world. Because there is a different spirit. Even on this unit, there's six units here. We are Unit 2. And there's six dormitories, six prisons. Uh, uh, six units, I mean, in this one prison. And this unit is different from every unit on this compound. All the new officers, they hear about it in their training in Tullahoma. They hear about Unit 2. And when they come here, they all want to work at Unit 2. And I know that's only by the grace of God. And this is death row. This, this is death row. And the women that get pregnant by their husband, when they're working in this prison, the warden sends them to Unit 2. Before they take their maternity leave, they come to work Unit 2. 
know that here they're safe, here they can do their job, and no one is going to threaten them. There is no danger of them being hurt. And so that is a great testimony, and, and the world don't know about it. But God is doing a mighty work in Unit 2 on death row. I have seen God's hand change this place and change, you know, there's a different spirit here. Change people when they come and visit us. Uh, they change their, their theology, their thinking. And so I just thank God. I, I may be talking too much, but I just want to just thank God uh, uh, for all that he has began the work that he has began in Unit 2 uh, and, and for this opportunity, this great opportunity that God and this privilege that God has given me to speak to you all this morning. Uh, I, I'm, I'm so honored. I'm so grateful. And I just want to pray and give God glory for this opportunity. Amen. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord God, we thank you so much. I thank you so much for this opportunity, this privilege, and this open door that you have given to me to talk to these, my precious brothers in Christ. I thank you, Lord God, for, for West Yoda. I thank you for my pastor, Kevin uh, Riggs, for my brother, uh, Brad Davis, Lord. I thank you for making all of this possible that I can tell just a little bit of the purpose and the testimony that you have given me in this place. And I thank you for them, Lord, stirring up their heart and bringing them together in this place in one mind and one spirit to hear what your spirit is doing in Tennessee's death row. Lord, I thank you. I'm so honored. You have one minute remaining. I'm so honored for this opportunity to meet these men and to tell them what God is doing in this place. I love you, Lord. I thank you and I praise you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. All right, man. Thank you all. I love you so much and I thank God for you, Wes. I, I love you, brother. Thank you, thank you KB. All right, man. We yes, love you too. You're a member, permanent member of our group here. Thank you so much. <laughs> all right, I'll see you tomorrow, man. All right. Okay. All right. I love you all. All right. Bye bye. Now he mentioned uh, Brad. Brad, wave your hand over there. Brad's part of my church, and he's he's on KB's call and visitor list. It's kind of a weird thing. I can go into Unit 2 and walk all around Unit 2 and talk to all the guys, but they can't call me. So this is Brad's phone. They call Brad, and that's how we did it. So I'll just, I'll just uh, finish by saying you can see why this is one of the most joyful things that has ever happened in my life. It's incredible. Um, the gentle hearts of the transformation of the gospel in my heart, in their hearts. Um, Pastor Kevin, thank you so much for all this. Leave a big tip for the wait staff. Um, uh, pray for the guys down there. Any of you who would love to send a card or a letter to Kevin and the other guys down there, we can get you that address. Um, they love to get mail. Uh, as you can imagine, it's one of the connections to, to the outside world. Go in the peace of Christ, brothers.